Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Rick Stroud here with my buddy cop Eduardo Encina. And the Bucs are preparing to try to win three in a row. Uh, this time hosting the Indianapolis Colts on uh, Sunday. And uh, Eduardo, you know, the last two teams they played are not good football teams, Atlanta and Jacksonville. And yet, there really is a little bit of momentum in this building. You've been around all season. Guys seem to be up in the bit. They seem to be into it. Um, they're healthy for the most part. They might not have Alex Kappa on Sunday, which would be, you know, uh, certainly something for the offensive line to overcome. But I think they're playing about as well as they played all season. And, and I really give them a pretty good chance against what is maybe a better football team than the 6-6 six and six record would indicate with the Colts. Yeah, I mean, you when you look at these two teams, you know, they're there's they're probably, you know, going in different directions a little bit, you know. I mean, for sure. Like you said, I mean, the Bucks have won two straight. They haven't done that all year. Um, you obviously three have out to, of four. Yeah, three out of four. You do have to look at some of the opposition they're playing. Like you said, Jacksonville's really bad and the Falcons are pretty bad too. But the Colts have lost, you know, four or five. Um, they've they've got a lot of injuries to a lot of skill position players, a lot of key key offensive weapons for them. And, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett's kind of under fire a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's not for anything he's doing. He had a couple interceptions in, in the in the last game, a uh, loss to Tennessee. But, you know, really, it's been a tough situation because, you know, they expect, they expected Andrew Luck to be their starting quarterback. And Jacoby Brissett's kind of held to a certain standard because yeah. of that. And, you know, he's a little bit under fire just for the simple reason he's not Andrew Luck. Right. You know, and, and, and it's unfortunate because I think he's done a really good job. Um, but, you know, just like everything, we've seen it earlier in the season. When losses start to pile up, everyone kind of looks for a trigger man. And, you know, I feel that, you know, that and, and, and so they're kind of looking who's who's kind of to blame here. But um, this this is both – what we do know, what is similar about these two teams is they both need wins. Yeah. You know, Um you know, as much as the the Bucks, uh, you know, postseason hopes are really kind of, you know, a thread if that, if that, you know, we know what they're up against. You know, I, I I think that one thing that Bruce Arians has created here is a notion of, uh, you know, their their odds aren't great, but you know, he said that I think Monday, and he said, you know, if you want to taste the postseason, this is it, mm-hmm. and you know, we lose one more, and we're definitely out of it. Um, but we can put ourselves in a situation where we give ourselves the best opportunity to do it, and that's a nine and seven record, and then that's winning out. Um, and, and with the with the Colts, it's kind of uh, you know the, the the same thing of uh, they've they've got to start winning games uh, because they're going in the wrong direction, and uh, that all of a sudden that that AFC South's pretty uh, pretty tight. It's always a tight division, but yeah. you know the, the the Texans and and the Titans are. are are kind of ahead of the pack there. So, um, like I said, I think this will be a really interesting game because both of these teams have, you know, have a lot to uh, – they, they have to win. Yeah, they're going to get the best shot from the Colts because this is maybe their last chance to stay in, in the playoff race. They, they can't really afford to slip 
under 500. They're just running out of games. Whereas the Bucks um, want to ride this momentum, and then next week they would have a game at Detroit. And you're right. Bruce Arians mentioned this to his team. He said, you know, uh, you, you really are in one-game season, and that's what the postseason is like. And even though it's a long shot, JPP has been on a team that won its last six games and won a Super Bowl. Um, he's He was on a Pittsburgh team that got into the playoffs as a wild card and won a Super Bowl. So it has happened. It's unlikely. It starts by them winning their last four. You can't win four until you, you, know, until you win uh, one on Sunday. So, you know, I think this is the best team they played during this little mini stretch yeah. because this is a big physical team that likes to run downhill. It looks like Marlon Mack who was a USF star and, and was at Raymond James. His college career could be back. He's been missing from their offense, and they're a run-first offense. And, and Jacoby Brissett just simply hasn't had his weapon, so he's been having to do more than, than, than maybe he's accustomed to. I thought it was interesting this week a couple of things that we can go over. Uh, one was, and I'm not surprised that he didn't want to commit because there's still a month in the season, but you know, Bruce Arians was asked if right now – he were asked by the owners what to do with Jameis Winston, um, what would your recommendation would be? And he said he would. he's going to pass on that. He said, it's, I'm going to wait till the end of December. He's done some really, really good things and some really, really bad things, and I just want to see, you know, at the end. I think some people kind of took that as, ooh, you know, maybe he's not convinced. But it kind of jives with what we've been hearing, which is, they want to know what he's going to be, and they're not sure. And, you know, I've had you know coaches tell me that, you know, um, they went 3-1 and one in the third quarter. If they can duplicate that or go 4-0 and oh, and he throws about 10, 11, 12 touchdowns and maybe one or two interceptions, that leaves a different picture than the one that they have right. with still a month to play. Yeah, and, and Rick, we know this. This is kind of the whole Jameis Winston experience, you know, mm-hmm. is uh, that, you know, I think for the most part, you know, given what, what they've seen, uh, especially the past few weeks, is, you know, I think – you know, they like what they've seen. You know, we, we've, we've talked so much about what Byron Leftwich sees and, you know, the improvements that he sees every day in practice with Jameis. There's a lot of things that are, you know, not necessarily quantifiable that, that, that we've seen, you know, some, you know, his ability to kind of, you know, throw the ball away a little bit more, you know, the uh, he's taking some yards when, when they've given to him on the ground. So yeah. um, little things like that. But, yes, for the most part, we've watched Jameis Winston for five years, and on a week-to-week basis, we don't know what we're going to get. Right. So how can you really commit to it you know, in the first, second week of December when there's so much football still to be played, yeah. and which gives you so much more to evaluate? So, um, And while he's sitting here with 20 interceptions, right. I mean, what if that number becomes – 29 yeah exactly uh you know or or maybe it only becomes 21 and and he winds up with 30 touchdowns or, or 35 so that, that's a different i mean we know he's second in the league in passing i mean you throw as much as he does that's going to happen I, I think the big question too rick and I, I know we asked ourselves this is you know i honestly think that as the, the things and you've said this too is the things that make Jameis so talented and so good are the same things that hold him back sure. so what what's what's the best version of Jameis? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and that best version of Jameis might still be a guy who throws more picks than you want to. Sure. And so then the question is, can, can you, you win, win with them? Can you win? And, and and you know if you look at that, if that's a, one of the biggest qualifiable, you know, things that you're looking at, you know, he's won three out of the last four. Yep. And he could conceivably win 
you know, seven out of their last eight. Which would be you a know, hell of a which, run. Which, which at that point, you have to say, hey, we, we have, got our quarterback. We got, we got our quarterback Absolutely. here. So, and he's 25, you know, right. and, and I still say if he was on the market, he's going to be the number one free agent quarterback just because of his age, right. his experience, and what he's done. you got older guys like potentially Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers or maybe even Cam Newton if he gets out there. But you don't have somebody with, with the youth and the accomplishments that Jameis has. And a lot of people will look at the Bucks and say, well, they're the Bucks. They've been, a, you know, Steve Young quarterback there, and so did Trent Dilfer, and so did Doug Williams. And, you know, they've, they've had other quarterbacks go on and have good careers. So I think all of that will, will sort of play into it. But the one thing about Jameis is that the last few weeks anyway, we've seen he can win football games if his defense and the run game is available to him. And, and really, this team the last couple weeks have been sort of led by their defense, yeah. especially last week in Jacksonville when they come out and they score a defensive touchdown and they really get after the Jaguars. So I think we're starting to see that, you know, Jameis doesn't look as bad when there's help around him. Right. And I you think, know. too, like there, there's a couple things there. One is you know, field position is such a big part, especially when the, the ball's turned over. Oh, yeah. When the, when the ball changes possessions – uh, you know, it, it, it puts so much pressure on that other side of the ball. 79 points off turnovers right. this year for Jameis Winston. And, and the thing, too, is like, you know, and I honestly believe this is I think a big part of it is the pace of the games, too. It's like you know, Jameis committed so many turnovers so early in games. And then that that just set the defense back no matter what, you know. And yeah. it, it creates a bad momentum. It creates bad tempo. And, you know, if, you know, we look at, at, at the last game, he still had a turnover. He mm-hmm. still had a fumble, yep. but it, it was at a point in the game that it really, you know, didn't really hurt them. No. You know, so that's the big question. When we go back to, like, evaluating Jameis in terms of maybe he's going to be a guy who's still going to turn the ball over, but can he turn the ball? Can those turnovers be in times that aren't the one the times that are going to hurt this team in terms of winning and losing? Yeah. You know? And like it said, it you helps when you don't do it in the first quarter. Right, right. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's really a does. big, big part of it. You don't fall or, behind. Or when, you're contro- when you have the lead that's right. and, and you're taking control of the game, which is kind yeah. of what, what happened in Jacksonville. You yeah, know, third quarter. Um, I, a lot of people thought that he didn't have a turn. You think back that game, like, oh, yeah, he had a turnover for didn't the game. Didn't throw a pick. And he, did, he didn't throw an interception, but he did have a fumble. So. Although they did blame that a lot on, on Ronald Jones, sure. who then was taken out of the game. And I don't know, you know, again, there always seems to be somebody else's fault when Jameis loses the football, but – um, that was a, a, that was something in that sure. play that that didn't go right. Sure. Um, let's talk about uh, you know you you looked at uh, at Indianapolis and and, there, and and there's a a pretty good story about what Bruce Arians uh, meant to the Colts and and really that was the genesis genesis of his head coaching career came really late in life really unexpectedly and because of something that he would prefer not have happened to Chuck Pagano. Right, and I, I talked to Bruce, you know, on the side about. It. I talked to you know, he has three assistants on this staff who were on that staff in Indianapolis in 2012 when when he took over as the interim coach, head coach for Chuck Pagano, and you know, it, it's you know, this was before no risk it, no biscuit. This was before the the cool Kangle. This oh, was before um, you know all of that stuff, and and at that point, Bruce Arians was a 19 year assistant coach who had thought that he was never going to get the opportunity to be a head coach. And then all of a sudden, week four, at coming out of their bye week, Chuck Pagano gets diagnosed with leukemia. He's the one that, 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 that they picked to, to take over the head coaching job. And, and Bruce never looked at it as like, hey, I'm the head coach. Yeah. He, he looked at it as that he was basically just a placeholder for when Pagano came back. And Pagano came back at the end, towards the end of the season. But yeah. really, 
what, what I wrote about in, in the Tampa Bay Times will be in there on, on uh, Friday morning on TampaBay.com and in Saturday's paper is that, you know, this really kind of this, this opportunity kind of defined him as a head coach. You know, uh, people who've been close to Bruce, you know, guys like Clyde Christensen and 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 Joe Gilbert and, and, and Harold Goodwin, you know, they knew that he could do this. They knew he had the swagger. They knew that all this stuff was going to come to, to, but he needed that opportunity. And, you know, that team really kind of fed off of, they obviously fed off the Pagano situation, but they also fed off of him because he created this thing of calm. And he also created this thing like, we got nothing to lose. And that was a team that, wasn't necessarily a great team. It was coming off a two and fourteen season. They had a really bad split. Andrew Luck was split very with Peyton young. Manning. Andrew Luck was green. Yeah, he was a he was a rookie. Yeah, that rookie that uh, offense had six rookies starting on it. The Bruce made a, made a made a joke that they put thirteen guys on IR that year, and that when Pagano came back, he there were twelve guys on that team he that he had never met. <laughs> So, Hi, I'm your head coach. <laughs> so, so it shows how much it changed, and and you know, but how, still at the same time, they think they won eight of those nine games under Bruce by a touchdown or less. So yeah, they went you know, nine they, and three. They, they went nine and three. Obviously, you know, we know what happens after that. Pagano comes back, coaches the last game. They make the playoffs. Bruce ends up being you know coach of the year uh, and AFC coach of the year. He finally gets an opportunity to be a head coach in um, in, in Arizona. But, I mean, it is really kind of a feel-good story. And one thing that Bruce said, with, with and I was like, you know, and, and he's played the Colts since leaving there, you know. Um, Arizona played them a couple years ago. Uh, he went he back to Indianapolis, coach. right? Yeah, he went back to Indianapolis, and they won in an overtime game there. But, you know, I was like, you know, I know this is your second time playing him, but, I mean, is, is, it, is it still special? Mm. And he's like, you know, I have – I'll always have a little blue horseshoe in my heart. Yeah. You know, and, and part of that is because that, that season meant so much to him. And, you know, also, I mean, he's, he's a guy from York, Pennsylvania, and, you know, he grew up a fan of the Baltimore Colts. That's right. Um, you know, as, as a kid. So Johnny there, Unitas. There, right. There's a lot of things there that, that kind of, you know, are, are, are close to him. So, you know, even though he's seen – he's played that team, you know, he's him – and, him and Pagano are on different teams now. Pagano's the defensive coordinator in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That, that this game will be special for him just because it, it's, it's that horseshoe and well, it's the Colts and it's that team. It was such a special year, and, and uh, I had talked to Bruce, and you did too, about, about one game in particular, and that was when, oh, God. when yeah. the Colts owner, uh, Jim Ursay, uh, guaranteed that they would win against the Green Bay Packers, no less, who were playing really, really well, and that they would bring the ball and take it to Chuck Pagano with the game-winning ball. And he said, you know, I never felt that much pressure since Bear Bryant's last game in the Liberty Bowl. I mean, that was and, – and it turned out to be a crazy game that they just barely won. Yeah, they were down 21 to nothing at the half. Um, and, and, and those coaches who were there, like, talk about the speech. And it wasn't something that was necessarily – you know, rousing or anything like that. But the halftime speech, he was just like, listen, just try to make a play. Mm-hmm. Make a play. Try to get a turnover. Try to get that extra yard. And if you guys trust each other, it'll all snowball, and we'll win this game. And and that kind of was like the, the, the beginning of, of the cool, mm-hmm. calm Arians that, that we know now that, like, yeah. has confidence in his guys, has trust in his coaches, has all of that. And so they went out there. And they won on a like a last second touchdown. I think it was thirty nine seconds left from Luck to Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne had a ridiculous second half, and, and they won. And then, like I said, they went on to go nine and three after that. And momentum built, as, as as Bruce says, you know, you stack the wins, and 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 you know, it was just like I said, he, he said it was a miracle year because 
they weren't supposed to be a good team. You know, I mean, they were, you know, they were really in rebuild mode, you know, because everything was kind of, you know, rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback, new head coach, new staff, a bunch of different players. And, you know, they all kind of came together. It's one of those, you know, Clyde Christensen, you know Clyde, how 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 good he is when he talks special about this year, stuff. Special year, it was a and, special time, <laughs> and he talks yeah. about how magic. Like that's that's just a great example of how sports can just kind of take over and just kind of. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Get everyone just connected to something. And, and that team did do that in 2012. We remember following it back then as like how great a story that was mm-hmm. um, in Indianapolis and, and beyond. They kept the light on for Chuck Pagano yep. in his office the whole time. Until they they, they, they kept the light back. on. They every 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 huddle that they broke was one two three Chuck. The the seat on the team bus. No one sat in his seat on the team bus. They had his his locker at the stadium every day. It was prepped as if he was going to walk in that day. So all these things that that Ari, were all Arians' ideas that kind of came together and and you know like I said emphasize that thing that you know we're doing it for Chuck. You know, the Arians was just kind of the, the, the placeholder and the guy who just kind of made made some decisions. But also, he, he, like Bruce talked about, like some of the things when you know, he would go to the hospital to, vi- to visit Chuck and he would bring the iPad with the, you know, all the play calls and the, and the tape and the video and everything like that. And initially, there'd be some times when, you know, Chuck couldn't even talk about the game planning because, you know, he, he just had these pounding headaches from the treatment he was getting. So, you know. It, it it hit it hit all these guys really hard. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, you saw Chuck got better with the treatment and, and like I said, obviously he came back and you know, it, it all ended up really well. But you know, there was still some really trying times early on there mm-hmm. where, you know, and all those coaches talk about it, where this was bigger than football. This was, you know, life and death. And yeah. um so, you know, it, it was it's definitely a, a story that, that kinda transcends a lot of things in sports, but you know, transcends life too. Tells you a lot about Bruce Arians, and, yeah. and uh, you can read that on TampaBay.com. It'll be in the uh, Tampa Bay Times on Saturday, um, the story of, uh, of that season, which uh, earned Bruce Arians Coach of the Year, his first of what became two Coach of the Year awards. So it really did launch him as a head coach, and um, of course he did it again with the Cardinals, and, and now he's here trying to turn around another team in, in the Bucks. And another thing to look for, uh, I think, on Sunday – uh, we've talked about this defense, and um, you know Shaq Barrett has been just an amazing story in the league, right? Um, and it's it's happened right here. Maybe not gotten as much attention because of the Bucks' record; they're five and seven. You'd imagine if this guy played for the Rams or uh, or Seattle or San Francisco or something like that that was in the mix. Um, but when he got here, I mean, I can remember him playing a lot of snaps in the final preseason game because I don't really think that they knew for sure Noah Spence was still here, exactly what his role would be. And, he, you know, he spent four years being mentored out there in Denver, um, undrafted, you know, free agent from Colorado State, but he, he played behind DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller and, you know, Bradley Chubb came in there and really only started 14 games and had 14 career sacks before he got to Tampa. And now he's sitting here with 14 and a half this year 
which is the most in the NFL right now. He's right. the NFL sack leader. And with two more, he passes or, or he ties Warren Sapp, two and a half more, he passes Warren Sapp for the franchise record in his first season with the Bucks. Right, and, and, and you know, as, as much as, as we or people can get on Jason Life for, for kind of the per- personnel moves he's made, like this one has to be lauded. One mil- one grand slam. You know, $4 million – Make good deal. The only the only offers that Shaq the only teams that Shaq even had interest from were the Bucks and the Bengals. Well, I'll, I'll say this: I think he screwed up. He should have signed him to a two year deal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so, um, you know, now, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, this it's been a fascinating, you know, story with Shaq because this is really his first real opportunity to play every day. You know, Todd Bowles sat up here at the podium today and was. I think someone asked him about, you know, whether his production has been a surprise. And, you know, they knew that he could do some stuff, you know, but everything that he's done. And, and you know, we, we can get lost in the whole, you know, we, we see how, how how great he gets off the line and mm-hmm. the push he gets and how fast he can get to the quarterback. You know, he's 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 caused a lot of strip sacks. He, you know, he's he's caused a lot of fumbles. That's something that gets a little bit lost. But yeah. also, you know, what he's done in the run game and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, he's a pr- become a very complete player and one, a guy who's – you know, makes can make a big, big, big impact on a game, um, and and now you know he said there's records and he has opportunity to set that, being in his only year at the team, and then after that we know what happens is this guy contests free agency and, and we've talked about a lot is he's going to make a whole lot of money now, he was asked today about some of that and I thought it was pretty interesting one thing he says and you know you don't necessarily expect guys to say anything otherwise but he was like you know I've moved my family. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to not move my family. You know, and you know, after this year, he probably won't have to move his family because he'll probably have a very a long term, long term deal. deal. But the mm-hmm. question is whether that's that's here or somewhere else. Um, but you know, this is a guy who you know, if you know his backstory, you know, he's a guy who did move a lot as a kid. Uh, you know, he grew up in. Right. I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm going to make my goal of referring to Baltimore twice in this podcast. But <laughs> but he, he grew up in East Baltimore where he moved from place to place to place. And so he he moves to Nebraska, goes to a boarding school there, uh, go starts his college career off at I think University of Nebraska Omaha, Omaha which, yeah. which ends up getting its football program cut. <laughs> then goes to Colorado State as a kind of an unheralded transfer guy, a walk on right, basically, do, I mean, doesn't get drafted, yeah. and lands with the, with the Broncos where he has to wait a couple years there for really even get a shot, and then plays behind a bunch of guys, you know, like as you mentioned there. So this is a guy who you know he's looking for a little bit of stability. Oh yeah. Um, now obviously the money speaks, right? Always when, when, does. When, when when you're going to be offered, you know, a, a bunch of money, which he will be, you know, that speaks. But I do think that that it is going to be important to Shaq to get kind of you know to feel feel comfortable in a place, you know, like yeah. he's got three kids, um, you know, a wife, and, and 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 he's been a family man for a long time, and I think he finally was looking at, at an opportunity to really kind of. Get put some stability some roots, and yeah, yeah, put down some roots somewhere. Well, and that's the the one advantage the Bucks have is that he is here and he also knows this coaching staff, and and he's only played for one other organization. It's hard to come in and earn the trust of a coaching staff in a locker room, and he's done it here. And he knows it works in Todd Bowles' system, so all that's in his favor if they can come up with the money. Now, you know, fortunately for the Bucks and for Shaq Barrett. Um, they could have as much as $84 million under the salary cap. So the, the unfortunate thing for the Bucks is they've got to figure out how to pay the quarterback. And so, yeah. you know, whether you get a, a, a longer-term deal with, with, you know, Jameis Winston, if that's the direction they go, or you sign him to a, 
uh, or you know, to a uh, a franchise tag, or you put the franchise tag on Shaq. You know, one of those guys is is likely to get it if you can't get a long term deal. And I would think that you'd want to sign Shaq to a long term deal. He's only look, he's not even twenty eight yet. It'll be twenty eight in a couple of weeks. He's still kind of in the prime. He does have a lot of miles on his tires, yeah. as they say, because he didn't start many games. Um, he was sort of a, a of a designated pass rusher type. So, and, and you know, when we talk to Bowles and those guys, and Arian still thinks he's going to be really hungry even when you pay him. Um, so, I, I mean, I think for the family, for putting down roots, I think the Bucks have a big advantage there. But nothing's certain. I mean, it only takes one team. And what kind of money? We're talking about about 16 to $18 million a year with maybe as much as 40 to $50 million guaranteed. So that's a big commitment for a guy um, who's not 22. I mean, you know, in four years, he'll, he'll be a 32-year-old pass rusher. So you have to look at that, too. Like, how many years do you extend it? But when you don't have – Carl Nassib's going to be a free agent. And Damakon Sue's going to be a free agent. Jason Pierre-Paul's going to be a free agent. And so, you know, with those guys not guaranteed any of them to come back, you have to sign one person. I think you'd, I think you'd certainly start with Shaq Barrett. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny, Rick, when we were, we were in the scrum talking to Shaq today, and he's talking about his future, and, and you know, he's asked a question about, um, you know, about, about you know, where he might want to go. And we, we, feel, we both feel someone's arm around our backs, uh, and it's Jason Pierre-Paul kind of listening in on our interview. Uh, kind of poking in and, and like, we stay together <laughs> he said we stay together so yeah. you know, if that's a sign it's probably good for the bucks like i said the the money the money talks when when it comes i don't know if you can keep both of those guys but um you know they, they've really built something good i think on on this front seven and when you combine they are good you know w- what jpp has done when really i remember saying this is that anything you get from Jason Pierre-Paul this year is just an added bonus, and he's done more, much more than that. It's, you know, it's and, unbelievable. And, and, and when you have, you know, inside what, what, what the development of Vita Vea, uh, Barrett, you know, like I said, NASA, he's a, he's a big contributor. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue, and, and then obviously with, with those, you know, middle linebackers with, uh, you know, Flavante and, and, and Devin, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing what, what is the formation of a really good front seven. Now, now the next challenge is keeping them together, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a challenge. But, um, you know, like, like you said, Rick, you know, th- this is – he can break this record today. You talked to Warren Sapp uh, yeah, about it. Was about surprising. it was I mean, Sapp, you know, you never know how Warren's going to go first and foremost with stuff like this. But, like, one thing Sapp is is a very knowledgeable football guy. Like, he, he was one of the smartest players I have ever covered. He understood his job. He understood your job. He understood what everybody behind him was supposed to do. And when they didn't do it, he held them accountable. So when he watches the Bucks. I asked him about it, and he said, look, I've told the kid, and he has. He talked to him a couple weeks ago on Instagram. He said, I told him, go get the record. He says he deserves it. Uh, he watches this guy, and he says he is completely legit. You know, he, is, he has busted his ass. He gets off the ball. He, he's, he thinks he hasn't gotten a lot of help from the push inside as much as he as much as he should have he thinks he pretty much is beating guys off the edge um but he says he'd be he hopes he's there when he breaks the record sap won't be here this sunday because he has uh, some uso commitment but if he doesn't do it this week he says he definitely wants to be on the sideline when he does it and he wants to shake his hand and i thought you know what that's that's even higher praise than um than maybe breaking the record when you have a, a, a gold jacket hall of fame player 
uh, who wants you to set it because he feels like you went about it the right way. He knows his story. Um, you know, unlike Leroy Selman or Simeon Rice or Sapp, he was not drafted in the first round. The expectations, uh, he, he took the hard route. So he's really, um, you know, really rooting for him to do it, which might be unusual, but um, th that's, I, I totally believe that that's the way Sapp feels about it. And that's, that in of itself is a big compliment to what Shaq has accomplished because when you have people like that rooting for you, um, you have to feel pretty good, pretty good about it. You mentioned Devin White a minute ago, and we'll wrap it up on this. You know, when they drafted Devin White fifth overall, it's rare for an inside linebacker to go that high. And people talked about, you know, that's that's for a Ray Lewis or a Patrick Willis. And, and those are two guys, um, you know, that uh, Ed Orgeron had coached throughout his career at Miami and LSU that he compared him to. We didn't see that in the beginning of the year. And, and the big reason was the guy was hurt. He got hurt in the second game. He missed some games. Even when he came back, he had a leg brace on. We are seeing the last month what Devin White can do in this three and one run that they're on um, because he has been at the center of every big play they've made on defense. Yeah. I mean, when, when they drafted him, right, it was about this guy who can make plays sideline to sideline, uh, rush, and, the passer. And rush the passer, yeah. uh, you know, a guy who has, has a knack for getting to the ball and, and, and forcing it loose. And, you know, that, that's really what we're seeing over the past month. He just got named defensive rookie of the, of the uh, month. month for November in the uh, NFC. And, you know, it, it, it is as simple as saying, like, you know, rookies need time to grow, right? And Devin didn't have that ordinary path because he did get hurt in, in week two. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't just any regular injury. It, your knee is, is where, you know, it's where you make your money, too, especially as a, as a speed linebacker like he is. So, mm. um, you know, he missed a good chunk of four games and came back. And you got to think, well if other guys are in week five, he's only in week one, you know? So you know, we're in week 12 now. So really we can see that he's probably in weeks. He's just reaching just kind of his, his mid-season form. That's right. So um, that's exciting to see, you know, because like you said, you know, you don't usually draft linebackers that high. Mm. You usually take them a lot lower. You know, I, I know that that, that pick was, was criticized by some that, that, that they overdrafted him, but you know, well, and Josh Allen, who who right. also has a had great, an unbelievable rookie player. year, he's got we nine sacks. Week. We saw him last week. No, nothing's wrong with Josh Allen. I don't think you could have gone wrong, but that that's who they passed, right. and so that that's why I think Devin also got as much criticism as he did. Yeah, and and, and, and right, and, and I think Josh Allen's going to be a great player too. Mm -hmm. um, we we saw that last week, but um, it, it is really interesting to see him kind of develop into into this this kind of player, and you know. You have to give credit to some of the guys around him too. I mean, like I, I think that they were really smart in, in this pairing of him and oh, and Levante yeah. David. Oh, like if you if you can't learn from Levante David at that position and just how you how to handle yourself and everything like that you can't learn from anyone. Yeah. Because so so that pairing right there has been really great for them. Their lockers are right next to each other. You you can tell just by their interaction They're very close, yeah. how much they that he leans on 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 Levante. So. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. It, it would have been interesting to see if he didn't get hurt, where he'd be right now. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, he is the leader of that rookie class. In a lot of ways, he's developing into one of the leaders on that defense. And he has an incredibly bright future. And again, the big thing is now on defense, it's, it's funny because, you know, for the first six weeks of the season, we were talking about how bad the defense was, the 30 points a game, all that other stuff. But now you're starting to see some of the pieces kind of come together. And and maybe some of that's the youth. You know, maybe some of it is getting used to a new defensive scheme. But, you know, like it or not, it's week 13, and you 
you're starting to see some of these kind of pieces come, come together on defense, which is obviously promising for them, especially given all of the young guys that they've played on defense. So, you know, whether it's the Devin Whites, whether it's the Sean Murphy Buntings, the Jameel Deans, Mike Edwards, um, you know, we'd like to see a little bit more of Anthony Nelson get on the field. He's been hurt for a while. But some of these younger players, Carlton Davis, you know, some of the second-year guys, you're, you're starting to see Vita Vey, obviously. You're starting to see them kind of come into their own on, on that side of the ball. Yeah, a lot of upside. Devin White will be wearing cleats with a picture of Daisy May on it as the cleats for a cause uh, comes into play. And his is animal dehydration, but he says he'll run faster than he ever has because Daisy May was fast and he'll be chasing Colts. How about that? So it's interesting. It's the best I could do. Uh, okay, so a big game on Sunday. We'll bring it to you. We'll discuss it myself and Eduardo uh, Monday morning on the podcast. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.